Let's talk about some mistakes we've made in our training and <laughs> what kind of things we've done that uh, could have been done better, perhaps, what we've learned from it. And um, yeah, what have you done, mate? What have, what's, what's been... I've done it all. Some... Well, I don't think I've done it all yet. I think there's still more to come. There's still more mistakes to make. I feel like, yeah, I feel like with this, it's kind of like, if you're not making mistakes in your training, then you're probably not trying enough stuff or you're not trying hard enough or whatever. But also there is some things that, you know, are a bit silly that we've done in the past that um, are avoidable, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, there's one, what's that saying? It's like you're insane if you do the same thing and expect a different result. Yeah, like insane. Once and inspect, expect the same result. It's the same thing with mistakes of training. It's like, they're there to be made and they're to be learnt from. You're the insane one if you continue to do that same thing. <laughs> like, I think that's a no, good way to approach training. It's like you're looking for mistakes. You're almost like looking for mistakes over time. Otherwise, you're not learning from the process of training. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's so funny. Like, um, I guess working with a coach, like this kind of, you know, facilitates this process, but, I see so many people training and like they're just sort of going through the process of training and doing the thing week in, week out. And like at all levels, like novice or advanced or whatever, like, but they're, they're almost on this like trajectory of like they have no time to reflect on what they're doing. Mm. And they're just like, there's no like almost like recalibration point where they turn around and be like, oh, is this effective or is what I'm doing still giving me what I want or like, you know, there's no like kind of process where they're sort of assessing things. It's just like, they're just training hard and they're enjoying training hard. And, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I certainly think for us, like we really value a lot of the things that training gives us as well. It's not just about the training and we've spoken about that heaps on here and together and, you know, with other coaches as well. But like, yeah, I feel like there are, like mistakes are a, a, a part of it, but it's like how you learn from them as well. That's mm. so important. Well, there's one mistake to start with. Yeah, not having... Yeah, absence of reflection, recalibration periods within your training. Yeah, for sure. That's actually a really good place to start. And we're like, is there anything that like... Um, is there a time that like springs to mind for you where maybe you were just a bit like lost in the source with your training and just going too hard for too long and maybe didn't have that like point to stop and think about what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, one of the really big periods was in rugby and like I was always trying to do so much, so much more than I probably needed to do. And I never really had, like I had good guidance and I always had good coaches and good S and C's, but from like a personal level, I, I didn't really go through a period of like critically analyzing what I should be working on, what was working, what wasn't working. Um, and then going through that recalibration period and moving forward with the knowledge that I'd gained. Um, and that was a really big part of starting working with you when I did a few years, like after that was starting to, to question these things and then understand why I was training and what I could be doing better and, and going through that process. Um, but yeah, definitely towards the back end of rugby, it was just like, there was like none of that thought process at all. Yeah. Especially cause you're showing up and you're like, you're doing, and like you, like how long did you play rugby for like number of years? Oh, well, I suppose I probably started 
would have been like 15 years. Yeah, like it was a long time, right? Like yeah. I was going to say like 12 years, but yeah, 15 years. Like, so you, you're just like, and you're really, like, you're really good at rugby as well. Like, mm. so your system was so organized around just showing up and doing the thing and executing your skill and stuff like that. But at some point, I think that can be dysfunctional, which is sort of where we picked up, where you had a ton of injuries, um, some dysfunctional movement patterns, and like you were just so good at like just brooding like brute forcing your way through that, that it obviously, you know, at some stage didn't become, you know, what you want anymore, but also just not very functional for you either. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's, especially with sports. I think it's, it's, um, you see this a lot probably with, probably with more high level sports because it, it requires a certain amount of commitment and, and just like training, you know, time and, and just mental fortitude to get to those levels that, it's a fine line between someone just getting burnt out and then just getting washed through the system where they're just, you know, band-aiding injuries and whatever. Mm. But as you said, like, I think um, having like, that's where having those reflection points and having a really good coach that can pull you aside and be like, Hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, is this still what you want or you need to look after your body or something like that? That's, that's such an important piece to it. Um, the, especially like the more elite you are, like the further down the road you are, because you do have the more advanced you are, like the more, the better coping mechanisms you've developed. Right. Yeah. And you see that particularly like rugby and rugby league and those sort of team sports, you can kind of see that really play out um, in terms of, you can see the athletes that do go through that process and you can really see the athletes that don't go through that process. Like someone who has a lot of longevity in the sport is generally like from my observation is very critical around what they're doing with their body, with their movement. And then also with their, their training and performance versus someone who might just have like a really short burst at the top um, or just yeah, not make it like they're just going through the motions, showing up to training and like not really going through that process. Not to say that that's the thing that's stopping them, but I think it's definitely a, a, a contributing factor to longevity in something. Mm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm smiling right now because this actually segues beautifully to uh, my first big training mistake myself. And I think um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with um, like on a personal level with like when I started doing CrossFit, because like, I, I guess I'd be doing like some kind of functional training before that, right? Like, you know, if we talk about CrossFit is like a concurrent model where we're developing endurance and strength. Like I was doing that kind of training for a while anyway, jumped into CrossFit um and crossfit's like really exciting so you know like you're thrashing yourself in wads and you know especially if you've got some fitness background it's very easy to push yourself too hard i suppose but then you know people are like are you going to start competing i'm like yeah like i enjoy competing i'll start having a crack at that like doing the open or whatever and i kind of found like for me i got to like getting to top 100 in australia was relatively easy it wasn't that hard i think i did in like a year or something and then getting that like next step was really difficult. Like actually pushing to like, it was regionals at the time. So it'd been like top 30 in Australia. Um, but I, it was like, I just like, I got, I got good pretty quickly, but I was like never great. Cause I just didn't have that. As you said, like that longevity built in, I wasn't doing enough movement work. I wasn't looking after my body. Mm. I was like drinking a protein shake for lunch in between coaching and training and like trying to get off on doing that. <laughs> <laughs> classic 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 coach, uh, move. classic coach move so yeah um yeah I, I like 
maybe not paying attention enough to the process the like even just like more the maybe like boring stuff like in air quotes that like actually gives you like puts you in striking distance to be great at something mm-hmm. um i feel like that's a big uh i don't know maybe it was a, it was a mistake on my part i guess but like just a big thing with with pushing you know really high levels of performance like most people we've coached and like certainly for ourselves as well like we can show up and work hard like that's actually usually not the hard part it's mm-hmm. committing to the process that's actually going to get you um that like put you in striking distance to actually you know win something or get to a certain level whatever it is right yeah yeah resonates heaps i think another thing there is like one thing that kind of comes up for me is like it's so easy and attractive to do the sexy work and that's like a, a pitfall that i've made in the past like just doing the things the big things like you're saying the absence of the, the movement work and the quality and like breathing and understanding all these other things that underpin like a real base level of health that then can layer into performance later. Um, and you see that so much. And I think social media is a really good example of that is like mm. people only displaying the really sexy things. And then you've got this culture where people think that like you can train with a level of intensity all the time, or you can train super high volume all the time, or you can train like, I don't know, just to, one rep max snatches and cleaner jerks all week without addressing all these <laughs> like that's like it's it's got me a few times just because mm. i think of the comparison as well you're like oh well, that person's doing that that looks really cool i want to do that but you don't necessarily see all the work that the person does around that like a like and i think i, I don't know i feel because social media makes you feel really close to these people like you feel like you're in a proximity that isn't that far away. Like you watch uh, Matt Fraser or Tia Toomey train and you're like, oh, she's training so much and doing all these things all the time. But like, yeah, it's, it's like an orchestrated image. She's not going to show you like the boring time that she goes to sleep and all the food that she eats and prepares. Yeah. She does, but like most people don't really care about that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't get doesn't get likes and views, right? So mm. it's um yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with that as well. I think like it is a it is a weird um conundrum to find yourself in like getting because you like that stuff is attractive and obviously it's fun or whatever. And you know, like I think a lot of people can just do the fun stuff for a long time and but it only gets into a certain level, right? Yeah. Like like yeah. yeah, if you want to just be like, you know, maybe you're just someone who wants to stay in shape and um, you know, enjoy the social aspect of training as well. Like, fair enough. That's all good. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think like that's probably like, a, like I guess it's a mistake, but just a really big learning experience we both shared at sort of different parallel journeys that we had is just like how important that longevity stuff is and um, how, how it actually also fits into the bigger stuff as well. Because like if you're coaching someone who's a really good, who, who's like really athletically gifted, then it's almost like it's it's it can be hard sometimes to get them to throttle back a little bit with their training and not just be like a fucking maniac all the time (laughs) it's like do that when you're in competition like i need you to be a fucking maniac when you're in competition like you were one of those people i was working like that i worked with um but then it's like i need you to do like (laughs) broomstick good mornings and like get you to switch on your core better like and get you to coordinate like your hips better like your pelvic articulation like all that stuff but then it's like 
And then you're like, well, that's boring. I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, if you don't do that, then you can't keep performing at the level you want to get to. It's also not going to allow you to do enough volume to even get it, you know, in touch with the top guys kind of thing. So it's about fitting it into that narrative. And yeah, we've been through that. We've made, we've both burnt ourselves out so badly. And now it's like such a core value with our coaching as well. It's like with the guys we coach. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's great. Um, that sort of touches on something that I was like in prep for this chat. I was thinking about what are like, what do I think the top training mistakes are like in the culture as a collective? And then like, obviously I've probably made most of those myself. So I could uh, <laughs> on that, but like that one there is probably the biggest one that I see personally is either too much or not enough volume for the training adaptation that, that you're looking for. So it's, it's like, and it's hard, like it is hard to find that optimum balance, but um, like either doing too much volume that your current tissue, your current level of tissue tolerance can't handle, um, which would be where that movement stuff would be really, really valuable. And you'd need to be making sure that that was coming up over time so that you could handle the amount of volume um, or doing, and this is one that I wanted to speak on was like, not enough volume to stimulate a response in and in, in my my example was i went to doing too much of the other stuff like i was working way yeah. too much on the movement quality stuff and yeah i got a lot out of that journey and I'm, I'm not going to say it's a complete mistake but one of the pitfalls of that was like yeah i just stopped adapting from training like i started to wither away and like it's that's definitely a massive learning of mine and a mistake that i've learned from is like you do have to have both sides of that equation to start to not even drive progress but to just like stay alive (laughs) drop dead from not doing those things but like even just i think long healthy life yeah totally man and like i feel like if you're yeah like doing if you're on the movement path and um, you're doing that, you know, you're always doing, let's say not even just the movement pass, but you're always doing one type of movement. Like let's call it like either really slow considered control, like contractions or really powerful stuff. Then it does like, it's not like you're, it's not, not the wrong thing to do or anything, but as you said, like you're, you're almost going to the opposite end of the spectrum to learn what that's like. And maybe, you know, maybe that's necessary for some people, but yeah, like you probably didn't need to do that in order to get what you have now, which is like a really good blend of both, I think, where you're really powerful, but you're also really considered with your movement and you've got that contrast so that you can get what you want and you know like the right tools to put in place kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, I always I always think of that like it's like, I think that's why like retreats are really popular with um, a lot of people as well because it can serve as like a really good reset where um and sorry what i'd like to clarify like more like movement type retreats or like a silent retreat or something like that it just like it's such a different end of the spectrum kind of thing from maybe whatever the person is being stimulating by stimulated by yeah that maybe that's like you know that's what they like that's almost like the easiest way to do it kind of thing like i was thinking about even like thinking about like instagram recently and we were talking about how like how addictive it is these days um and then it's like, well, just delete it. And then I'm like, well, if you just delete it, then you're not really learning how to manage it either. So you need to like, like deleting it would be the easy option, right? Yeah. 
And it's like, it's almost like with training as well. It's like, if I just delete all the intensity, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Then yeah, you're not exposed to it, but then you're also not learning how to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I wanted to um, ask you actually how you went with your, you went through a bit of a period where you were squatting a lot. That was probably the catalyst that just stopped me training. What every day, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's one of those too much volume kind of things. And it's mm. funny because at the time, like the way it came up is I was just having a conversation with a bunch of mates and we're like, what do you think about squatting every day? And we're talking about squatting every day and programming like, <laughs> squat methods and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I reckon I could do it. And we were trying to do, I think it was, you just had to get under 100 <laughs> every day for, I think it was going to be a month. Yeah. You could squat however you wanted. Like you could squat more than that, but you just had to do that at least one rep of that mm. day. And I got like, I don't know, six days in and I was just so jammed up through my hips and it was crazy. And like, I don't think it's necessary. I, I think like you could make the argument that squatting every day like could be an okay form of training if you had super high volume and tissue tolerance like you could potentially get to that point. in your hips if yeah if you're an elite weightlifter um, yeah but like the week before i'd probably maybe squatted i don't even know i squatted the week before i was just like going from <laughs> not squatting to all right i think i'm gonna try and squat every day which is a horrible idea one of the worst training <laughs> mistakes i made like, like a month yeah 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 i think any any um any movement you if you're uh if you're doing zero percent of that movement and then you suddenly do it every day um there is potential for injury and and a lot of mishap in your body that's for sure (laughs) especially squatting squatting heavy loads which is crazy that's like the main model or the main frame people go through when they're like i haven't been training um i need to get back into training and (laughs) just go to the gym and do like six days in the first week and then you don't see them for a month yeah that brings us to another um, training mistake that we've made is uh, taking some time off for whatever reason and then just getting straight back into it with full force. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, man, uh, like I'm, I I see that happen so much in the gym with people that I train with and people that I've coached and then, and then like, I'm like, oh, like you, why did you guys do that? And then I just go and do it myself like straight away. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, for like if if you are someone listening to this um, on that particular note as well, like if you've had some time off from being sick or whatever, um, obviously, like you know, if you've been unwell, then you need to take things inappropriately. But if it is just like you've had some time off from work or whatever, not necessarily injured, getting back into training, like you really, I think planning it out, like getting back into it, is really important. And you could use something like a high low model where you just do like high volt, like you know, high intensity day, low intensity day, high intensity day, or like the work in workout model kind of thing. Um, but like plan that, plan that in, or, or if you're working with a coach, they should hopefully do this, but have a like, you know, period, maybe it's like two weeks if you're relatively well-trained or maybe it's a month if you're not very well-trained um, where you're tapering back into training, mm. like that can really easily just make sure that you're one, you're not blowing your hips out because you're squatting every day or whatever. Uh, or me with my shoulders, um, but also just make that training process so much more enjoyable and sustainable as well. Yeah. <laughs> Most people, they should start with like, um, yeah, you should start with way less volume than you, than you think. 
Yeah. The volume thing is funny as well because, um, and again, like this is a mistake I've made both myself and with clients that I program for is just giving them too much volume because there's kind of two things that happen there. If you start someone or you're doing too much volume, um, one, you, you generally become very volume tolerant very quickly. Mm. Um, so that means that if you're going to go to less volume, you might actually not be as receptive to that. So it, it kind of like, like the flip side of that is if you start with really low volume and you respond really well to that, then yeah. that's like, you know, that's more bang for your buck. Like that's a really good scenario to have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got more time. And then obviously you're still stimulating enough response to get what you want. The other thing, the other problem that arises there is if you've got a really high variance program as well, or concurrent design like CrossFit, there's a ton of training stimulus that are go- that's going on and, it's difficult to pinpoint actually like you might be progressing, but it's actually difficult to know what's actually working and what's not. So it then becomes very hard to navigate the training pathway. If you're throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, you don't know what's sticking kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely one that I've made many times and um, still learning not to do, but yeah. Um, keep it specific, I suppose. A lot of that comes back to like a whole perception narrative around what good training is and and that i think something that i've had like an ingrained belief for a while and i know that a lot of people do is that like training should always be hard or training should like and the term that i was thinking of is annihilate like yeah you're annihilated after you train well no something that i've been thinking about more and more lately is like you just want to go in like the, the idea of training is to stimulate a response. Like mm. feeling annihilated is not the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes for random sessions as well. Like this is like one, one I was thinking about is something that's really hindered my training progress in the past is doing like crazy random sessions that just mess you up like a week. And then you can't train for like a whole week. And I'm thinking yeah. of the sessions that we've done together. I'm like, <laughs> Legs are so cooked or something, and you're just gassed, and you can't train for like six days or something. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, fuck. I, I got no comment there. Like people walk in on like a Saturday or a Sunday and just write up like seventeen different things that are really hard, and just do a mash, a monster mash, crazy mash, and yeah, like sometimes they're super enjoyable, and I think. They sh- should still be a part of a fun training design, but obviously in a more intelligent way. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely ways that you can program stuff that is hard and intelligent, or it's like you're just finding the most difficult, like physically hard stuff to do. And then you times it by like 10 and then you split into like a team of four. It's like, that's a session. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I literally, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call out the gym because I, I don't want to do that, but I literally was looking on, uh, the comp the other day and um i can't remember if i told you this or not but one of the events for this comp that this gym is running was it's a i guess it's a crossfit comp it's like a functional fitness gym or whatever the last event is a thousand warbles for time How one that i'm pretty sure it's individual it could be pairs i can't remember but regardless even if that was a team of four you're doing 200 like <laughs> That is, I was, I'm still boggling about it. Have anyone ever done Karen 150 warbles? Like, you know dude. how bad those doms are. <laughs> it is, it was an hour cap. Well. 
1,000 war balls. 1,000 motherfucking war balls. Also, like, just from a, like, first of all, I got to have a bit of a rant here because I was so upset about (laughs) seeing this. First of all, like, people are going to be in hospital, like, straight up. (laughs) Dude, 1,000 fucking war balls. Like, that is ridiculous. But, and then anyway... Who is going to sit and watch someone do a thousand war balls? Well, like, even from a like, spectator perspective, like, crazy, crazy. That kind of shit, like, pisses me off because it gives CrossFit a really bad name as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's like a classic example. It's like, what can we do that's like hard as fuck and like <laughs> just like blow people out? Like, a thousand war balls. That sounds that's perfect. Yeah, let's put that in. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, far out. Like you, anyway. could, you could chat, like if that was like, I don't want to go into this too much, but if that was the, like if it was to test someone over, say it's looking at time domain and you're looking at, okay, what energy systems active? What are, what are we trying to test here? What's the actual test of fitness that we're trying to accomplish? Like how, you could do that in so many different ways. Exactly. Exactly. This is exactly the thought process I had. I was like, okay, fair enough. Maybe they're trying to test something and like, how would you test like leg endurance? You could do so many other things like, okay, mental fortitude. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but like there's so many better ways to do that. Yeah, like just so many, so many things come to mind before 1,000 wall balls. (laughs) Like even even if you're a games level athlete, like no one- games would be like, there'd be- People wouldn't do it. It'd be uproar. It'd be like, let's avoid the games. Any of the events after this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if you think about the contraction volume of squatting that you're doing in a month, it's not a thousand reps. It's not even close to a thousand reps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's true. Anyway, let's let's not riff on that for too long because that's a different podcast altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, did the one of the last ones that I had, um, and this for me, it's kind of been mainly uh, come out in nutrition less so in the training side of things but i think that like it's worthy discussing is um like being super obsessive and compulsive around a methodology or a way of doing things and Mm. (laughs) like a few things that i've done in like the nutrition space have been pretty radical approaches to nutrition they've been really unbalanced and like talk to me give me some examples yeah example. you actually, actually spurred one of them i went through a phase of eating kodiak cakes these pancakes like twice a day for probably like a month and it was like Guys, don't listen pancakes are good it's a good diet i promise good. it was it was like i really enjoyed it but like at the time i was like super stringent on the cow like i and they were like really good from a macronutrient standpoint they are good they are good they're great. This particular brand, if if you're after them, I highly recommend them. Hopefully, maybe we get a sponsor from Cody. Link them in the pot. <laughs> yes. Um, if you're listening, anyone from Kodiak Pancakes, I love you. <laughs> it's the best. Um, we use them all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I was like, yeah, just tracking my macros like quite aggressively. And these pancakes were just like supreme for hitting my macros. <laughs> They and fit. I just slowly started to develop such an intolerance in my gut for anything gluten-related. <laughs> like, maybe too much information. My my shit was weird. Like, 
like my sleep started to go bad and I was so set on being like, no, these are really good macros. It's not the pancakes. It's not the pancakes. It's not the pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> so many people do this and like nutrition huge, like people doing keto diets or what insert any diet extreme diets yeah <laughs> they're just yeah. like health is just going through the ringer and they just hold on for dear life because it's just become so dogmatic oh man yeah i mean i felt fine eating the cardiac pancakes to be honest i i overdid it i was just definitely yeah. very obsessive with it but strictly your food pyramid it's like the bottom is just oh, pancakes <laughs> Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think like, yeah, the whole like, there's there's so many funny things that come across your plate if you if you're in fitness and health. Like, what this is like clicking over a decade for us, but like, it's it's pretty cyclical. Even like, we're just like different diets that come up, different training methodologies, and I feel like they just get more and more extreme. But it's it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like people are like they they're so adamant on solving such a complex problem in their life with one solution mm. that's like maybe it's like okay my sleep is trash my i can't concentrate at work i'm really fat i'm, I'm deconditioned i'm gonna eat liver for every meal like that's that's it and then they inevitably like they lose a bit of weight because they're just eating liver and they're not eating whatever else i've been eating and they're like it's working this is amazing yeah but yeah, it's like it's just such a such a trap with um not balancing things for sure. And it's far easier. I, I don't know, like uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. It's far easier to do the extreme thing. It is absolutely yeah. Because yeah. if, if we if we turn around right now, like you know today and say we come up with the instinct diet and it's like just grapes or something, like you would you only eat grapes, <laughs> like simple. It's right, like right. what about for breakfast? It's grapes. <laughs> like, there's no question. Yeah, it, it takes it takes the thinking out of it. Like, because a lot of people and like you know, I'm not gonna say you know people are dumb or whatever, but like you know, p- people don't maybe don't have time to be thinking about their nutrition and stuff like that as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I can see how that plays in that, is. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, again, like if you're working with a coach or like, it's just like one of the most valuable things is like having a sounding board that they can be like, well, you know, if you eat grapes for every meal, then uh, you might feel pretty garbage in a couple of days and maybe that won't uh, give you the best results kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. All any right. Is there more, any more that come for you? Oh man. I was just about to ask you the same thing. Uh, I think most of mine we've kind of covered like it's more I've, I haven't really done any like extreme training programs that I can think of apart from just thrashing myself too often mm. to uh, too many times um, just with high volume and stuff. But yeah, I think I think the big one is like um, for me, it was like probably more of like a, 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 a like a self-concept concept shift kind of thing. That's really hard to say self-concept shift um more just like with how i viewed myself kind of thing Mm -hmm. and like the i like it's again like a couple of hours worth of conversation here but like to sort of nutshell it it was more more that like i just expected my body just to perform at a really high level all the time without giving it enough rest and recovery like and and same with my mind as well like i would just be so 
like brutal with myself with like, um, you know, like even like thinking back to when I got glandular fever really badly, like um, quite a number of years ago now, like I was quite young, but I was like training really hard. I'd get up at like 4.30, go to the gym. I was thinking I was studying my diploma at the time. So I think we had like, I'd either have to, so yeah, my schedule was like get up at 4.30, train clients from like six to eight, go to class from like eight 30 to, or maybe it was like nine to mid morning ish. And then I'd either train myself at lunch or I'd have clients through lunch, go back to class for another block in the Arvo, then go back to work till like from like five till eight. And then I train myself from like eight till 10, go to get, go home, go to bed at like 12, get up again at four 30. Like it was just like, it's such, it was like the stupidest routine. Like it was just ridiculous. And, and I just like expected my body just to be a machine, like just perform and like be the same. And like, and then also like going out drinking on the weekends, like going to festivals, like, you know, just not looking after my body kind of thing. And yeah, I remember like I had gone to this festival, like, and I just got home and I was just like, I'm sick. Like I just like my, my system just crashed and it crashed real bad. Like I was in hospital, my, I had like kidney failure, I had liver failure, like, I think my pancreas was like shutting down at some point. Like it was a crazy experience. Like I'm fine now, obviously I'm all good, but, um, but yeah, that kind of tied in with like that, my view of like how I train and um, unfortunately, yeah, like I had to really burn myself out to really learn that. Maybe I would have learned it another way kind of thing. But as you said, like if you go to an extreme, then mm-hmm. like it's, you know, the hard way to learn sort of thing um, or learn things a hard way, I guess. But yeah, it was just more like um, just not viewing myself as a machine and like realizing that, you know, I did actually have to you know, look after myself as well and give it some some time to recover and not expect a you know, ton from myself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, as we said at the start, like the beautiful thing about these mistakes in training and life, whatever, is like you get this new perspective that then you can hopefully i guess that's why we're coaches is impart some wisdom or some knowledge on someone else going through a similar journey and hopefully see their ship in a more considered and educated direction yeah totally totally yeah but yeah apart from that i can't i can't really think of i was trying to think of like some just some funny sessions that i've done in the past and like i mean we've done a ton (laughs) just like (laughs) just but they're not really trading mistakes they're just like well, that was a bit silly. Let's not do that again. It <laughs> <laughs> continues to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think ultimately biggest take-home message is like balance your training. Don't like thrash yourself all the time. Thrashing yourself for some of the time is fine. Everyone can do that. Like just don't do it all the time and um, have some periods where you reflect on what you're doing and, just like either touching base with a coach who can do that for you or help facilitate within yourself. Mm. Um, or like maybe like even uh, one of my clients, I got them to like just start doing a journal like um, a couple of weeks back and um, they don't necessarily need to show me or anything, but it's just more of like a, you know, touching base themselves. Like how's my training going? Like how am I perceiving my performance? Is it still connecting with the big picture like just you know all that like little cues to make sure that things are on the right track yeah yeah that's great um maybe to wrap it up if anyone has any crazy training stories training training mistakes share them with us yeah hell yeah training mistakes (laughs) 
hundred percent. They can be anonymously anonymously shared. We won't we won't name you, but yeah, we'd love to hear some of your um, crazy trading <laughs> mistakes or programs because like fuck there is some crazy programs out there hey yeah, we were joking about the squad every day but it, it's actually a program it's out there yeah yeah it's people do it people yeah. do it all the time gvt is another big one yep german volume training for those who don't know it's like 10 by 10 reps um of just like one exercise which again like i guess it works but mm. perhaps not the most the sustainable method point for a program yeah I remember there was one program I was doing for a bit, like when I was bodybuilding, like through my teens and like, it was something like, it had like sevens in the name. Like I can't exactly remember what it was, but oh, I think it was like fascia stretch training or something, FSD seven or something. <laughs> anyway, the, the premise was that like you do this, like, let's say you do like chest flies and you just get in this crazy pump and then you do like seven reps or something. And then you stretch your chest for a bit. So like you do like a pec stretch and then you just like, crank out another seven reps so you do some more i don't know it was it was something like that and like i don't know looking back on it now maybe that wasn't the best way to try the reason you're so jacked (laughs) that's actually the secret (laughs) all over keep an eye out for longer after this episode lucky's only going to be doing actually fst7 i think it's called that i'll have to look it up but anyway that's um, that was kind of ridiculous, but I get maybe it worked. I don't know. Hmm. There you go. Training mistakes. Don't Training know. mistakes. Don't do them. But if you do do them, send them through, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at least other people could be entertained as well. Hundred percent. All right. 